He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to Bolotified, the one, the only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta. I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always optimistic, Alexia Christina Postolides. Hey, hey, Alex. Hey. Hello, everyone. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I'm very, very glad you asked because, as we all know, Greeks invented parties and rituals, right? We've so this morning, yes, after a fitful night of dreams, this morning I woke up thinking, Prepi nas pasas and yapiato. Okay. It means you have to smash a plate. Now, uh, do, you, do you know why? Uh, no, I have no idea why plate smashing is important. Right. So, you know, we Greeks, we like to smash plates, right? But there's, there's actually a very important reason for that. And the reason is you smash plates during a celebration. It's to ward off nasty spirits. So it kind of serves as a way of tricking or camouflaging a celebration and you trick the evil spirits because something violent is happening they don't think there's any kind of celebration happening um, so it's very important that you do this and when you don't do it things like this happen right so we it was for my nephew nicholas's name day celebration right when he was 18 now a name day for the orthodox name day is very very big my brother rented out a big hall had all the Theas and Yayas cooking for weeks, right? Hired a Greek band and invited Father Theo to the celebration to bless the day, right? Well, my brother's wife, Madison, lovely woman, but you know, a non-Greek, she decided to serve the food on paper plates. Now that is not an issue. However, she forgot to order the special plates for the plate smashing portion of the events. So when the men got up to dance the Zabekiko, right? It's a, it's a Greek dance traditionally done by men. There were no plates to be thrown at the dancer's feet to fool the evil spirits. And as a result, or so the Yaya say, Theothano slipped on some spilled ouzo, knocking into the altar table of candles to honor the deceased family members, setting tablecloths on fire, and Theo sprained his ankle. Before more chaos could ensue, Yaya, who always carries a spare plate with her, just in case, smashed the plates, the flames died out, Theo's ankle miraculously healed, and the party continued. Wow. So why is it that the Greeks just can't have an event without something like that happening? Because you don't listen to the Yayas and you don't follow the superstitions. <laughs> Or That's is why, it, if everybody just paid attention to Yaya, none of this would happen. Or is it that without all of this craziness, the Greeks could never have invented drama? There you go, too. 
That's, you know what, that's, that's a probably even a better explanation. We needed to find a reason to create You're the, the masters drama. of it. The total masters of drama. I love it. Like what we talk with our that's hands, you, you know? Yeah. You, you never turn down an invitation to no. go to a Greek anything. No. You just go. Well, plus it lasts for days. Oh, so bring a change of clothes, but go and a toothbrush. A toothbrush, most importantly, right? Because <laughs> after that much Uzo and Ritzina, you know, <clears throat> you need. <laughs> I think I'm too tired already. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony, what's on your mind? Let's get tipsy. All right. Today's tip is about planning a company celebration because, well, a lot of companies are planning celebrations. We're back at that. And that's great. And it is a holiday season. So uh, this is when a company or a host wants to plan a celebration uh, and there's a presentation. But the intention is that guests will also dance. Right. So after the presentation. So here's my tip. Rather than serving the, the requisite three course meal with uh, salad, entree, and dessert, boom, 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 one right after the other. Hold back on the dessert until after the presentation, even coffee maybe, and give people a reason to still want to stay, and that's the dessert. Uh, hold it back until after the presentation, and if you can afford it even better, rather than plate and serve that dessert, put it on a buffet as well as the coffee and give people an opportunity to get up right after the presentation when the band starts. That'll increase the energy in the evening and definitely keep people out on the dance floor. That's my tip of the day. Ooh, I like it. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. Tell us who we have today. Because uh, 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 we have a gem of a gem. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay, so, well, first of all, our guest today holds a very special place in my heart. Because I don't know if you know this, Anthony. She played at my wedding. No. I don't even, I'm not even sure she remembers, but she did. She played at my wedding. So um, she wow. is a flutist, a composer, a three-time Global Music Award recipient recognized for her recordings, compositions, and arrangements. And in 2016, she paid a heartfelt tribute to her family and birthplace on her critically acclaimed album, Brooklyn Dreaming. She has toured throughout the U.S. and Asia, played festivals and clubs such as, and so jealous, Birdland, the Blue Note, the Jazz Bakery, and the Gene Harris Jazz Festival, just to name a few, as well as performing in high-profile uh, ensemble settings. So she's also on the faculty as an instructor of flute and jazz at SDSU and has taught master classes for the New York Flute Club, Columbia University, UCLA. It's incredible what this woman has done. So playing everything from Bach to bebop, please welcome the beautiful, the accomplished, the amazing Lori Bell. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the invite. It's great to see you guys. It's been too yeah. long. It's been way too long and all true, all true. Every mm -hmm. single Aww, bit of it. You all guys. True. 
No, seriously, you are a gem in uh, in the music field. Aww. And anybody who has an ear knows that. Um, it's just incredible to see your your career. Uh, you're so prolific. You have a prolific Aww. career. That's what I would call it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten albums. Uh, Maybe ele- more. Eleven working on the twelfth for next year. Working on wow. the 12th, 11, and those are just her own albums. That doesn't count when right. she's played on side others. Man. Yeah, as a side, as a side musician on others. Yes. So, just to give the audience a little bit of um, perspective on Lori Bell, do you mind if we start with a little feature that we have called sure. uh, Ten Quick Questions"? Ten quick questions. Ten quick questions. Yay! Uh oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Put me on the spot. What the heck? Don't be afraid. These are no, fun. It's okay. <laughs> You're gonna love these questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, easy, easy questions, but I do need you to start the clock. Yes, the clock is ticking, so you got to answer quick, quick, quick. No thinking. Uh-oh. Two Just minutes. Just answering. Okay. Ten questions ah! in two minutes. Are you ready? Okay. This will wake us all up. This will wake Uh-oh. us all. Up. Okay. You ready? I'm scared. Lori Bell, don't be scared. But <laughs> don't be a scared. Do you do you believe in miracles? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you love most about what you do? Well, it's my life. It's my passion. It's you know my salvation. It's it's everything. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you tried something new? Oh my gosh. Um. I don't remember right now. Um, I, I don't. Did... I don't. I'm like, <laughs> let's see. New food? Um, uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh! Can I think about that one? You um, can think about it and get back to ah, it later. But okay. if you haven't tried something new recently, then that's the that's, that's the challenge. It. Okay. What's okay. the first word that comes to mind? What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Oh my gosh. Um, a work in progress. I love it. Okay, pick one. <laughs> um, pick, pick one. Totally out of the totally out of the left field. Award show or beauty pageant? Award show. Okay. What is the most memorable live concert show or festival you've ever experienced? Um, playing at the Kennedy Center. Oh my lord! Wow. What do you think about while you're driving? What do you think about while you're driving? Music great if mickey mouse weren't famous would you have him over to your home for dinner no <laughs> no, there was no hesitation have you ever done drag no okay but maybe next year okay and lastly what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing um obsessing Oh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I just have to say that was record-breaking in time. You you followed those rules beautifully. You, I mean, obviously, you're a musician. You understand timing. So, you know, that was quick. Wow. Okay. So oh let's, let's go back to one of those. Let's talk about playing at the Kennedy Center. Okay. Was it just once or was it twice? It was one time. It was for, it was... Um, Ladies the Mary Lou Williams Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. And I was a featured artist um, with a band called Straight Ahead. And it was about, I want to say, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was it was a, just 
an incredible opportunity. Yeah, it was really, it was great. And tell me, uh, tell me right now in your life, you've got a lot going on. You're teaching, you're recording, working on a new album, you're playing am. live. Where are you getting your most joy today? Where's that coming from? Today? Today? Today, uh, today, generally, these days. I see it now. Right, yeah. right. Um, well, currently, I'm, I'm writing brand new arrangements for a great saxophone player named Joe Henderson, mm -hmm. who's a very prolific composer, incredible musician. Uh, he left us about, I want to say, 10 years ago at least, um, maybe a little bit longer. And I'm doing a big tribute album. So right now, I'm writing all these arrangements and getting ready to record next year. So right now that's my joy and my passion. And that's what I'm really excited about at the moment these days, just sitting at the piano, like every day, tweaking all the arrangements. I thought they were all done and now I'm going through them all again. Cause I have another four months before the recording. So I'm really spending a lot of time doing that. Great. And you know what? Um, you just mentioned something that really separates you from a lot of other musicians. And that is the fact that you practice every day oh well yeah i mean that's uh, another thing you know yes uh, a lot of hard work yeah yes and, and I think... as a jazz player i work on a lot of classical repertoire as well to keep mm -hmm. my playing in tip top so it's every day mm -hmm. very very a lot of work yeah but I, I love it i love the work well I, I mean that's what they say right if you love your work you don't work a day in your I life but, right but but the point I'd like to make is that's all of the time that as a consumer of music, mm -hmm. we don't see, we don't see all of the time that you put into the practice, into the arrangements, sure. into the recordings. We just hear this beautiful product and the assumption or the presumption is, wow, they're so talented. Look at what they can do. It's so easy. So the value becomes lessened just because they think there's an ease and that you're mm -hmm. doing something that you love. What, what I'd like to bring to the forefront is that there mm -hmm. is a tremendous amount of work and time mm -hmm. oh, yeah. that is spent, right? Oh, sure. Oh, it's 24 seven. I mean, and it's never, it never ending, never, it never ends. Even when you get mm -hmm. to a really high mm -hmm. level, you, cause then, then you have to keep that level, you know? You have to keep, you want to maintain that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's always about the work and then being ready for whatever. Because in my business, I never know what kind of call I'm going to get. I got a call in 2018 to, you know, play at Birdland with Eddie Daniels, who's like the most famous clarinetist in the world. So it was kind of like, wow, okay, I'm ready. You know, I can do that. I'm on a plane tomorrow. I'm ready. So that's the thing is to always be ready. You don't want to be, oh, well, I haven't touched my flute in a minute, you know, mm -mm. No, Jane no. Fonda said this. I remember I was, a, uh, gosh, I think I was in middle school and I saw her on an interview and she said a true performer, whether it's an actor, singer, musician, always practices, always learns. Oh, yeah. Always grows. You never stop. Oh, for sure. I mean, my my friend now, I can call him my friend, Eddie Daniels, who's like very famous musician. You probably heard the name. Mm -hmm. He's 82 and he practices constantly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 He, he's had the kind of career every musician would dream to have, but I'm just saying, you know, even now just 
at his home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He doesn't live in New York anymore. He practices constantly. We're on the phone a lot, you know, talking about it. He's like, Laurie, what's that fingering? Show me that fingering, you know, because he's a great <laughs> clarinet player. He'll play flute too and tenor. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, there's no end to learning and study. <laughs> and you, um, you, you only correct me if I'm wrong. I think you've yeah. always played the piano, but you really focused on flute. But recently, more recently in your life, you've gone back to the piano. And um, I've always had the piano in my life um, and mainly is writing and composing, but I've always had steady gigs here and there. Um, for the last decade, I subbed for Mike Wofford, very famous piano player, mm-hmm. up at his steady gig at the university club. I was really honored to be one of his number one subs. And, you know, um, I had a lot of steady gigs here and there for a couple of years here, a couple of years there. But I mean, I've never worked on the piano like I do my flute because that's really my main instrument. But it's really wonderful to have three, four hours of repertoire. So if I do get a call to do a solo piano gig, I can do that. And it's really fun and I enjoy it. I mainly use it as a tool for writing and composing um, and accompanying my students and things like that. You know, yeah. Do you yeah, find one more incredible. difficult than the other? Oh, well, the flute. That's what I would think. Yeah. I, I don't even know any how you wind instrument. Out of a flute. No, any wind instrument is stupid. Like, yeah. And tell us why, Lori. Mm-hmm. Tell us why it, it takes a, a more uh, uh, tuned skill, if you will, to play the flute. Well, okay. Horn. So, I, right. I don't want to minimize the difficulty of piano because it, is really difficult to become a great pianist, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, wind instrument, you know, it's the embouchure. If you don't have somewhat of a natural embouchure, I did, I looked out, I had like a natural, um, you know, affinity for the instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with that, it's constant. It's every day. Uh, you know, I used to get people call, oh, I love the flute. I want to play the flute. And I would always say, why don't you try guitar or piano first? Because if you've never played the flute, you're probably looking at a minimum of five years before you even make a neat, a nice, decent sound. Mm. Five years minimum. Mm. Because it's Whereas not piano, just... you can just sit down and play, mm-hmm. chord, you know, right. it's a different experience. A wind instrument is very involved. It's very personal. It's, it's part of your body. You know, I mean, piano is too, it's part of your hands, but flute's part of your hands, but it's your lungs, it's your lips, it's, it's so much involved. It's, it's, you know, it's it's not just the way that you're fingering the flute to produce the right note, but it's how you're breathing into it as well to produce the right sound. Yeah, it's breathing, it's studying airstream, it's embouchure, it's aperture, it's how to use your nose, it's how to resonate. It's like Mm -hmm. a singer. It's like an opera Mm -hmm. singer technique, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Mm -hmm. really intense. Right. And (laughs) if you hit a B flat on the piano, huh? if you hit a B flat on the piano, if you look at the note and you hit that B flat, you're going to get a B flat. Now, again, the sound and how the sound and the intonation, all of that. But with singing and wind instruments, there's so many variables to get that same sound. To produce that same mm-hmm. sound, right. Yeah, and plus the fingering is different in each octave on wind instruments. It's it's kind of a nightmare. Um, you know, I sort of fell <laughs> right into nightmare. it. I sort of fell into it. But before I started flute, I played guitar for like 10 years. So I was already felt like I was a musician. But 
I, I think it was because maybe when I was two, my parents gave me a recorder. So that might have had something to do with when I first picked up the flute. I was like able to play it like right away. Mm. I just understood the instrument. I mean, I had to study, you know, and take lessons and, you know, all that. But what made you want to? What made you want to pick it up? You know, it. it I really brought my guitar over to a friend of my father's who was a really great uh, clarinetist who also... Um, he had just gotten back from a road gig and he brought home a flute. Now, I really went over there to show him some of my original compositions on guitar and he got this flute out. He said, oh, I just picked this up at a pawn shop and he started playing it. And I was like, let me see that thing, you know, and it was just like. I mean, it was a life life changing moment. Wow! For me. Yes. Wow. wow. It was really wild. It was Love wild. It, first it was like sight. I knew how to play it, and I was like, the bells and lights were flashing. Right? Lights were flashing. Bells. Were how ringing. how old were you, Lori? Sixteen when, when I started flute. Wow. But I was 16. had been playing guitar since yeah, I was like four. Wow. Sixteen though to start flute at sixteen. Teen. It is a little late for a witness. Yes. A lot of them start a little bit younger. Yes. But you know, with flute, you can't start too young because it's too big. It's too, although they make the little ones now with the curved head. So they've improved it for little ones, but really 10, 11, 12, because you know, the lungs and but yeah, it was a little bit late for a wind instrument, actually. Tell us about the flute. What is a what is a professional flute cost a range, if you don't mind? And then how do you care for your flute? Well, the one I play, you know, it's about 20 and then the head joints about six gold head joint. But thousands you're talking 20 grand. Yes. You know, Um, but there are flute players that have $50,000 flutes. So, sure, you know, whatever, sure. 30, I mean, more Never than known that. definitely, but you can, you can get a decent student model for a little as 500. Uh, you can get like a lot of my, a few of my students have like $2,500 flute, you know, mm-hmm. right there. And that's a, that's fine for like somebody playing a couple years. And then eventually you grow out, depends upon how good you get, then you want a better, you keep wanting to get a, Honestly, I played I, I played a $500 flute until I was, I just knew how to make the flute sound decent so nobody would have known, but I didn't right. really get a great flute until I was well into recording, my wow. recording years. My husband took a look at my flute and he was like, that's your flute? You know, he had never really looked at it up close and we'd been together for about five years. He's like, that's your flute? And I was like, yeah whatever and then we finally you know i finally got something really and it was like wow it was life-changing you know <laughs> well, so I, I have to imagine that i was around i was around during that the the time when you were playing that older flute i must have i was been. playing so, my little 500 yeah. flute or maybe a thousand dollar flute it was about a thousand dollars which is not a you know <laughs> now i now at least i have something really great i'm actually uh i have an endorsement with a company that i pearl flute so i have an endorsement with them so you know i'm able to get things you know at a little bit of a discount which is really really nice um and i also had an endorsement with the head joint maker so i was able to get that at a nice discount too so i've been really fortunate you know and how do you care for your flute what what do you do uh to maintain it well, I always clean it out after I play, but I, I take it in the shop about every three, four months for just maintenance, oil, 
maybe a pad tears. It's pretty delicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I recently had something really radical happen to one of my head joints. It developed a crack in the tendon area, which is the part that goes into the body of the fluid. Mm -hmm. And I had to have a major repair on that by a master craftsman up in Eureka. It was really an incredible situation. It's kind of a long story, but nothing like that had ever happened uh, to one of my, you know, one of my head joints or my instrument. Wow. But, how long? So was I had, long? Yeah. The, how long did that take? How, you know, he fixed it in like a week. He got it right back to me. I was really fortunate. First, I called the New York uh, Flute Center of New York and I'm like, I have a major repair. They're like, yeah, we can't do that. It was too, you know. It like has to be done by a metal guy. And then I started calling my cousins who are great musicians in Manhattan. And they referred me to this other guy who's a flute guy and a saxophone player. And he said, oh, Gary Lewis is like the best in the business. And I was like, okay, I'm getting led, you know. It was really nice. cool how I got lit. And then this guy and I, Gary Lewis, he makes handmade flutes. And oh my God, we hit it off. And he, you know, we said, ship it over. I'll fix it right up for you, you know? Wow. Yeah, I know. A week. I actually had to buy a plain gold tube from Pearl at a discount because 10 karat gold, my head joints actually nine karat gold, but they had this empty 10 karat tube and they sold it to me and I had to ship the tube so he could cut off that tenon and repair my tenon with it. It was really involved. It was very complicated, very scary. I was like, what? You got to cut that off. I mean, I was just like, I was kind of freaked out when that happened. This is all recent too. This just happened a couple months ago. Wow. How scary is it to ship? I mean, that's your baby. That's your baby. Well, I, and you're, and you're... Flu- I know. Well, I have two, I have two gold head joints. So I got back in touch with my older head joint, which I love. Um, and I recorded a lot of re- records on. So I was like, okay, this is an old friend. This is great. I mm-hmm. bought that other head joint um, for really my classical head jump. And then I started using it on all my jazz gigs. And I was like, wow, this is an amazing head joint. Um, so I got back in touch with my old head joint and he was repairing it. And now I've got it back. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I have to assume that was a pricey fix too. You know, that's Actually, another. It wasn't. It Good. was more reasonable. Well, what was pricey was having to buy more gold to do it. So, right. yes, when right. you factor that in. Yes, of course. Yes, it actually, you're right, was very pricey. But Gary gave me a really sweet. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Because, you know, it's like uh, to the layman, it's like not having the. Uh, proper tools to do any job if you don't sure. have your tools mm-hmm. you can't work and if your tools are being repaired you can't work and so yeah there must be some stress and then you're laying out money on top of that to fix your tools so that you can go back to work it's it can be oh uh, i know especially yeah. now when i'm you know saving to do another big album which is mm-hmm. an enormous amount of money anyway <laughs> would, you, would you would you mind sharing that um because you sure. you do it live right you don't you're not 
you're not bringing in a, a digital sounds. You're all of your recording is live or. Well, I've done live records and those are great. Those are much more inexpensive. Um, but uh, this is going to be done in a studio in Los Angeles and a record company right now is not funding this. So I'm doing this one on my own. Like I did Brooklyn Dreaming. I did that one on my own. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of money from top to the end it, it, you know because you have to factor in studio time paying musicians and the guys are giving me an incredible rate which they're all dream boats you know because they they love me and i love them so that's awesome it's reciprocal, I, i'm sure you know and then you have to factor in um mixing mastering um mm -hmm. roy paying royalties and then there's artwork pressing that's a whole nother world and then of course on the final end i know i'm leaving something out um it was the pr guy mm -hmm. and that's a few thousand bucks right there so because i have to do pr with this one i did pr with um brooklyn dreaming and that got international press which was so wonderful because i did that for my parents you know um and so that felt really good to get, you know, reviews, great could, reviews, you know. Could I could I just share one of those reviews? Yeah. Oh, uh, you're a doll. Bill Bilkowski from Downbeat said, Bell flaunts prodigious chops on both C flute and alto flute. Though her pen might be mightier than her sword, her originals all reveal a wide harmonic palette a sophisticated rhythmic sensibility and a refined sense of dynamics along with an urge to swing. Wow. I know. Really nice. Right. I mean, I was so honored and, you know, also got reviewed by the editor. I, so it's funny. It got like two big reviews in downbeat and then it got album of the year along with 20 others. So it's best CDs of 2016 which was really right. mind-blowing really yes. mind-blowing awesome. very wonderful i hope this next record you know i did two uh see after brooklyn dreaming ron and i did a duo album ron satterfield and i did a duo album and then we also did a trio project um reimagining james taylor I got to get that record Ooh, to you because you got to yeah. hear Ron sing on that. He's, oh my gosh. I yes. You'll love it. I got to get you that record. Um, anyway. And then, so I thought, well, it's been a minute since I did a quartet, you know, time it's time. And I got really excited about Joe's music and I started writing arrangements and I'm like, okay, this is my next album. You know, I was like led again. I'm always led to these projects. I just sort of go with, you know, what I feel feel for it you know yeah. following your intuition is everything voice, right yes exactly oh so, you guys no so <laughs> so cute oh. <laughs> anthony we go way back you know <laughs> way 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 back so Lori actually produced. let's not talk <laughs> you produced for me let's talk you produced one of my albums I know that was that was a really uh that was a gift. You and Dave, you know Dave Mackay. Yeah, from the heart. There are pianist few... Dave Mackay, oh who we lost I've, last I've, year. Yeah, just last year. Yeah. He was I know. exquisite. Exquisite. Oh yeah. Um, so and you, Laura, you um you're really 
respected in not just jazz circles, but in in classical circles as well. You do crossover. Somewhat. Uh, Somewhat. I mean, I, you know, I think it's, I don't know. I I made a classical record in 2013. I did. I uh, made a it was a big project uh, to all 20th century repertoire. Um, and I really did it as a challenge because I had been you know, doing a lot of recitals with a great pianist, uh, Diane Snodgrass. And I thought, you know, you might want to record this while you, you know, have right. this stuff under your fingers because the repertoire is really tough. And uh, so I'm really proud of that record, you know, um, and uh, I like playing in small chamber ensembles and things of that nature, but I'm not really an orchestral player, although I did do some of that. I, I did play principal in the International Orchestra for a couple of seasons, um, but I've always been more of a soloist and I'm really a jazz player. But I do love playing classical. I really do. I mean, the flute's a classical instrument. I mean, it really, really is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Hubert Law's graduated from Juilliard, studied with Julius Baker, who's principal of New York Phil for, you know, 40 years. So, I mean, all the really great jazz players, there's a lot of great jazz players that also play classical, like Eddie Daniels and Wynton Marsalis and Keith Jarrett, even Ron Carter, great bass player, gives the students the, the Bach cello suites, you know, come on. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it informs it all. If you, well, why not expand your horizons? I mean, why not, mm-hmm get inspiration from great classical composers as well and be able to put that into your improvisational concepts and ideas um, and it also really helps keep the instrument in shape flute is really radical so i can hear instantly if a jazz flute player what they're doing i in two notes i already got it <laughs> let's talk about that for a yeah, moment if you don't I- mind because um, within the meeting and events world where we live, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we've worked with you as basically as a background musician yeah. providing ambient music. But here's the caveat. Whenever we do, people listen. Mm-hmm. They hear you and they applaud and they respond, even though your job for us is normally to provide the environment, the ambience. Um, that speaks to your musicianship and and what you bring to our world from a professionalism point of view um how do you feel about what i just said does that does that feel very nice um it it does it feels good you know um i did a lot of work for you um you know, for, for a lot of years. And I really pretty much kind of stopped doing um, casuals is what we call them. And really to just full on concerts, recording and all that. But, you know, these days, I mean, if a good casual comes along, I, I'm happy to do it, you know, uh, because what the heck, you know, um, I like playing and, you know, if I have a, if it's a nice gig and I have a good band you know it's it's still fun to play you know those background gigs but yeah you're right a lot of people do listen and and um i just enjoy playing and if people enjoy it and they listen that's great you know but like when i'm doing casuals i don't really expect people to you know stop talking and you know what i mean and it's Mm -hmm. okay it's really okay right right um there's a there's a purpose in that too 
right and doing yeah. it casual there's a lot to right. be gained as a musician well uh, yeah mm -hmm. sure so and and here's how you also broke the mold um it was not only about the music it was everything around the music as well the way that you would show up on site oh, yeah. and be prepared and mm -hmm. be ready for oh whatever might happen anything that was within your control to fix if something should happen you were prepared to do so uh that's how you i assume approach life <laughs> well you know for the gigs being early is a really big deal and uh -huh. a lot of musicians just don't get that tell us why they'll come flittering in oh god no god only knows um <laughs> what do you gain what do you gain <laughs> by being there early tell us well first of all it's out of respect for you know you guys and the client and hey many unforeseen things can happen Mm -hmm. many uh there might not be an outlet there might I, I might have to call an av guy i mean you know uh parking may be an issue i mean you know uh, i'd rather be it lowers my blood pressure so yes. i do it for me and i do it for everyone else as well it's just an overall thing has to be done has to be done like that i mean thank you for that i mean i don't know i just yeah is that I, what you yeah, teach I, your students <clears throat> i'm sorry Alex. sorry no i was just gonna say that's it, it i don't understand people not wanting to do it that way if for no other reason than their own benefit of being mm -hmm. calm and knowing that everything's under control well also you know in 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 the casual world sometimes they want you to start a half an hour early mm -hmm. oh they're coming in mm -hmm. right the coaches you have came to be early like, right. yeah exactly oh here comes the buses whatever <laughs> and if you know you're still setting up that's a problem right, right that's a problem so i i always believed in like really being early being i think it's just being professional mm -hmm. i think it, you know it did it does put you in the right mindset when you're early and you're ready to go and you're not feeling rushed or hurried because you're late right uh, you're ready to accept information. You're ready to take any little changes that might come your way because you're prepared mentally. So, uh, and it showed. It always, always showed. I, I remember when we were doing a lot oh, of them, that you. there was never any fear or concern, <clears throat> you know, on my end that there would be an issue because if there would be an issue, I knew that it would be handled in the most appropriate way. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. So tell us what you're doing now that might be different from what you did pre-pandemic. How has that changed you in any way, if any? I'm teaching on Skype now, oh. which is really great. So mm -hmm. that was all new because um, everyone used to come to my studio. I had a separate studio in North Park. Right. And um, they used to all come to my studio and that was great. Um, and then during COVID, during the pandemic, uh, that building got sold. So I had to bring, recreate that wonderful place here in my house, which I did. And I had to start teaching on Skype. And I was terrified at first because I, I really didn't know how that was going to go. But um, once I really got into it, I realized even from the very first lesson that the detail work that I can get on Skype is really 
um, is really great. Um, it's mm. almost it's almost better than being live. Although there is something to be said for live, because then of course I can get on piano and we can, I can play with my students, you know, and all that stuff. So eventually they they come and we do in person. But for the most part, Skype has been a dream. Wow. Uh, and how many students do you have? Right now, I toggle about 14. Wow, that's a lot. Well, wow. I know. With everything else you do, that's more. a lot. You know, it is. And now a few, about four of them come like every other week. And like I have one student in Japan. She comes once a month. I have an international student. And I've got a guy in New York who comes like once a month. So a couple of, you know, two of them come once a month and three or four others come every other week so the rest come every week and wow. you're right you're right it is a lot i don't want you know i mean i would take on one or two more but that's it right because you know i got to practice i got all that going you know you have to balance you have to mm -hmm. balance it and uh, that's I actually do. my next question how it looks to you what does work life balance look like to you um well, I won't book too many in a row, you know, because I do need a break and I don't like to get burned out, you mm -hmm. know, so I'll do two and then I need a break or I'll practice before, make sure I get a really good workout before I teach and that relaxes me. If I don't get a really good workout before I teach, it's like, okay, I got to really schedule that for tonight, make right. sure that I get Right. Get that through, get through that. So it's kind of a balance of, you know, teaching, practicing, of course, time to exercise a little bit, you know, try to get that in. I mean, you know, look, I don't have kids, anything like that. So really, I, I'm very fortunate that I really do have the time to get done what I need to get done every day or want to get done mm -hmm. every day with with my music so I'm, I'm pretty fortunate have you been saying no have you had to say no recently to keep that balance um you know i i'll say no to like a, a couple of gigs sort of came my way i was like no mm. you know what i mean yeah just didn't feel like the didn't, right thing it, well yeah maybe a, a very different variables mm. with it you know and it's like no um i mainly like the word yes. <laughs> yes, I like hearing <laughs> that. <laughs> are more enjoyable when you give yourself the gift of the nose. Right, they are. Right. Well, and, and no is no is I think no is a word I think we grow into as mm -hmm. adults. You know, it becomes easier to say no as you become busier, as you know sure. your 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 priorities change, and so I have to imagine that even with you saying no is a learned trait that has only recently started cropping up because of need, right? Right to keep you know keep balance and it, to mm -hmm. to be able to perform at your best at all. Yeah, times. or like you know if somebody's like, oh, we're having a gathering, and it's just like no, unless it's something I really really want to go to. I mean, even certain invites to other people's performances, like sometimes it's the yes, for sure. Let's go support, you know, and oftentimes these days it's kind of like it depends on how busy I get. Mm -hmm. It just depends. Right now I'm really busy. 
working, trying to just trying to stay focused. Um, right. If I get too many distractions, yeah, it's like so we easy. just got invited to a New Year's thing, and I my original my first thing was no, don't want to do that. I really don't, you know, and it's kind of like you go and give them my best. <laughs> you, you can you like relate? Me. I mean, yes, can you relate? I can't. I, I want to stay home and practice Edge, and, right. and well, practice and sit, you know, yeah. But you know, so like I say, I really do say yes to a lot of to a lot of things, but yeah, no has been kind of creeping in, especially around the holidays. I'm not really big on it <laughs> she, says, she says in her and in her inside voice right i would say in a very quiet little way yes i don't know you know the holidays are not for everyone and and i have been known to say that i think christmas should come every other year <gasps> that's a good that's nice i Bite like your that. tongue no, I think quite your I tongue, especially now See, you're really into christmas, christmas i can tell uh, i grew up in brooklyn so you know i'm my husband really likes Christmas. That's pretty. <laughs> See, I, I don't know. We have a couple little ornaments we hang on a lamp. Okay. Yeah. No. Christmas uh, is very small this year compared to what yeah. it normally is for me. Cause I just, that's great. I'm in the middle of a big move, but yeah. I think it's wonderful. You know, look, it's a I nice think. time to get together with friends and people. So that part about it, I actually like, but I'm more of an intimate gatherer. I like to get together with a girlfriend I haven't seen in a while. I just did that the other day. It's like, that's the kind of getting on the phone with people I haven't talked to in a while, getting to get, you know, that's, that's a nice part of the holiday that I really like. I, I'm an only child. So, you know, my parents have been long gone and I just don't have that sort of big family experience with mm -hmm. Christmas, like my whole life. So Right. So it doesn't really mean uh, I, doesn't resonate. You know, I'm Jewish. So, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever, you know, it, right. it's a nice holiday for a lot of people. And I get it. it. It's it's a neat time of the year. But, you know, for me, uh, it's just not that I'd rather just stay in my studio, light my candles and I'm kind of a weirdo. No, I'm a, no, I am. no. Now, as I my am. dad would say, says each his own. Says right. each his own. Says each. Says each. I like that. That's what says my dad each. would say. My father would say, each too, but he was referring to sausage. <laughs> as in, did you eat the sazich? I love it. <laughs> oh, Frank. Oh. So, Lori Bell, we've yeah. come to the point in our broadcast where we've got to get down to the nitty gritty. The Bolotified Five. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. Here we go again. <laughs> so, this is what we call okay. our Bolotified Five. Five questions, okay? Getting scared again. No, <laughs> no, but you're so, so, so professional at this. You've got this. Ah, okay. Okay. What is your golden rule? Oh, um, stay humble. Hmm. Nice. That that describes you perfectly, I think. Really? Yeah. I think you're one of the most delightful humans yes. I've Aww. ever spoken to. Oh, well, likewise. I love it. <laughs> Lori Bell. 
Fix a sweetie. <laughs> Want to go talk to Bob? That's all. <laughs> oh, that's oh my an goodness. inside thing. That's okay. an inside thing. Lori Bell, what is one of your daily habits you strongly believe contributes to your success? Hard work, practice, yeah. being prepared. Yeah. Um, you know, preparation meets opportunity. So mm -hmm. always trying to work hard and being prepared. That's my know, motto. You, you said it earlier too, and, and maybe that's where the flip, the switch needs to flip um, and can flip in some minds is that you in preparing, you are preparing not only for what is in front of you, but what might occur. And so in the world of events and meetings, that's how we have to operate. We can't just produce an event. We have to, when we're producing, think about all of the loopholes that could exist in that event that have to be filled before we actually get to the event. And we have to have contingencies for all of that. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what you do as a professional and how you prepare. It's a little bit more than just preparing for what you're told it's preparing for the things that you're not told or because they may not happen right but they may so for sure thank you for that that's a big 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 difference uh all right what do you tell yourself when no one else is listening stop being you <laughs> oh my god i do the same thing let's repel we love you don't stop don't stop don't <laughs> We need more of yous in the world, not less of yous. Oh, my God. I love it. I love that inside voice. You know how sometimes we all get in our own way? It's weird. Yes, it's like, yes. you know, it's like, get but, out of your head and stop being you, whatever. But, <laughs> although I can relate to that because I've not liked myself a whole lot recently. So. <laughs> You're on mute. You're on mute. I don't, I don't know how I got on mute. There we I go. That's weird. Weird. Okay. You didn't want to be you for a while. That's why. I didn't want to be <laughs> me for a minute. <laughs> Again. All right, Lori Bell. Okay. This is a good one. How old would you be? How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Five. <laughs> I love you, sir. I'm like five at home. Oh, my poor husband. <laughs> I think five is probably one of the best ages to be ever. So in life. Uh, just like a total nutcase, you know, <laughs> very, very childlike, very childish at home. I love that. Because I'm so serious about my music and everything right. that, you know, just wandering around the house sometimes acting like an idiot or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to come be a fly on the wall now. Like He's five. Yeah, I, I, my poor husband. I mean, do you just spin around real fast and see how oh, dizzy you get before you fall? Really childish stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he tolerates it. <laughs> He's a good man. He's a good man. He's a amazing. Keeper. All right. Oh, lastly, yeah. Lastly, okay. Lori, Lori uh oh. Okay. What is your why? What is your why? What keeps why, you? Why, yes. <laughs> <laughs> why, yes. That's my why. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know. Um, why? Well, 
Why not? That's that works. Why not? Why not? That says do it. Just do it. Yeah, for sure. Get out of your own way and just do it. For sure. I like that. Like that. Any other last words of wisdom you'd like to share? Oh, gosh. Ah. Um, She's so humble. I'm just a happy. question. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just I, this sure. is popping up in my head, and I'm sorry, I really want to ask it. Do you ever get scared about what music, performing, playing, no. writing, composing, any no. of it? No, it's not scary about you. I mean, I love getting on stage, and I'll get you know um, the adrenaline for mm-hmm. sure. But adrenaline can add to a performance, makes for a great performance. Right. So, you know, I've been doing this for so long that, you know, um, yeah, for sure. You know, like I was really scared the very first time I played in New York because I never thought that I was ready. But you never let it stop you. Um, Which is no, awesome. no, no, no. I mean, when I made the Brooklyn Dreaming album, it was like, I have to go to New York now. I have to play in New York. And I, right. I was I was terrified. But, you know, once I just started playing, once I am on stage and I get the flute in my mouth, it's kind of all over. Do you know about, what I mean by that? Yeah. Like nothing yeah. matters. Any, yes. It's just right. about no, exactly. channeling because I, channeling. I just go right into channeling. Mm-hmm. So, But what about when you're arranging or you're making an album? Uh, do you ever fear that you won't come up with the right uh orchestration or is or if you if you hit a if you hit a bump and you're not you know yeah well that can happen but you know um because well it's kind of detailed but um reharmonization is a big part of arranging and um you know these days i can reharmonize you know 50 chords to one note so if i if i don't find the right reharm i'll explore every last one until i find what i'm looking for or i'll 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 let it simmer like i'll come up with something and if it's not quite there it'll simmer and then like three o'clock in the morning that's it now i'm at the piano with the headphone and i can you know i'm still where i just worked out bugs this morning on an arrangement and I was, I'm so excited. I mean, I can't even, yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. That is yeah. exciting. But, but the, but you don't feel fear like, oh, I'm never going to figure this out. You just know that it's no. going to be more work, more turmoil. No, more. it'll, you know, if I really get stumped, I'll bring Ron Satterfield into, um, mm. and we've, cause we've written a lot of arrangements together. So, you know, what, what I do with Ron, um, great guitar player, pianist, vocalist, um, mm-hmm. very talented. We've been playing music together for, long 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 time a lot of records anyway he's got huge ears and he's just an amazing amazing composer too so i was like ron i gotta bounce this stuff off you you know so just last week i was over there and he came up with one idea and i'm like ah let's co-write this one arrangement you know yeah so i'm i i'll bring ron in on something if i really need help um and i'm happy to you know share you know writing credits with him Right. So um, that is the end. But before we say goodbye, okay. I'd like to know, can we play something uh, to for our audience? Can we put something in post? One of your, one yeah. of your, uh, sure. your uh, 
compositions and would you just send one to d'angelo to include whatever you want us to hear oh I've, um, we've got plenty that we can pick from because we do have well i have plenty. a youtube channel you know i've got like a ton of videos on youtube but some original stuff you want an original yeah if you have something okay. in particular that you'd like to share <clears throat> sure one, i can one do original, that we'll just put it in if not we can pick from i mean i think i, I there are plenty to pick from because i have plenty in my repertoire of Lori Bell, but okay, I think you have some like of the old. Hear. You have some of the older yes, records, right? Okay, um, that's fine. Some of the older stuff is fun too. Okay, from I've the Lori Bell CD, I don't know. I've got one that's, that I'll share. I think. Okay, I think it's playful. Okay, that's yeah, really old. That's from two thousand. Yeah, that beautiful. Was recorded beautiful in two thousand, came out in twenty twenty two. That was one that Ron and I wrote together. Great. That's a well, Satterfield Bell composition it's a beautiful beautiful piece oh it's fun mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and beautiful fun and beautiful just like you oh you guys it thank so you great so to much see you thank you for joining thank us you for today. having me thank you for having me now I, it really means a lot and awesome to see you guys and yeah. good luck with your podcast and i hope it goes really well for you and hopefully maybe we'll work next year we'll do something that would be Who great knows? and you keep keep us on your list and keep yes, sharing please. where you're playing with us you do that so we we know when you're you playing. still on my you're on my mailing oh that's yeah. great you haven't sent out anything in a minute but it's okay i'm getting ready to do a, a mailer yeah when you when you have something to share you'll share it i do i'm doing a woman's thing in february all oh. all female jazz players at disney's oh. in february nice february cool. 18th. yeah Melanie Grinnell on piano. She's wonderful. Ivana Wasinski on bass and um, Monette Marino on percussion. So, yeah. That's and I'm writing next. all arrangements for that. That's We're doing gosh. all jazz standards, female titles. Like, this. give us one, one Stella title. by Starlight, uh -huh. Along Came Betty, Be Beatrice, love Naima, Shaneen, on and on. Love it. Okay. I love you okay. guys. I know we got to go. We're done. Okay. Stay well. Stay beautiful. Hugs, kisses. Love you guys. Hey, thank you for listening to Bellotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bellotified is a production of Bellotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bellotta. Stay engaging.